The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. We start in court, in the Pretoria High Court to be specific. Zandile Kamalo, the state witness in the Senzo Miwa murder trial, was due to return to the stand today in the Senzo Miwa murder trial, but... That has not happened. And keep in mind, this is already a trial that has been beset by delays. The shooting taking place nearly a decade ago in October 2014. But it seems as though the judge in this matter has now fallen ill. Have a listen to the Gauteng Deputy Judge President, Aubrey Ledwaba, announcing that there is going to be a break until the third term. Firstly, I would like to apologize for this matter to start late. Uh, do you have anything to... Okay. I want to apologize. Uh, the matter should have started early. Uh, but the period that we had earlier, I had a meeting with the legal representatives of all the accused uh, who had to consider what we discussed and to take instructions so that uh, this matter should proceed and be finalized as soon as possible. Uh, the reason why I'm appearing today is because uh, my colleague, Josh Mormela, is not available due to ill health and may not be available for a long time, subject to what his medical doctors may say. However, because of the importance of this matter and uh, the publicity that it is getting from the media, we have made arrangements that uh, this matter should proceed in the third term so that it can be finalized as soon as possible. For that reason, the matter is not going to proceed today. Uh, it was scheduled to proceed from today, I think, until about Thursday. Yeah. So that's the Gauteng Deputy Judge President Aubrey Ledwaba explaining that delay. Khomotso Modise, EWN reporter in court for us. Khomotso, good afternoon to you. Uh, was this this clearly wasn't expected if we were going to have Zandila Kumalo back on the stand for for the next few days? Well, it wasn't. Uh, we were expecting to see Zandile uh, return to the stand between today and um, Thursday, and we were briefed um, in the last appearance that uh, you know we're expecting they made it a shorter um, appearance or you know a shorter schedule, just four days, so that we can make some progress, you know, uh, without the postponements happening. But, I mean, no one could have foreseen what happened today in court. Um, we heard from the Deputy Judge President after an hour and 10 minutes, um, you know, after the time that court was supposed to start. And, and we, so we heard him, uh, you know, speak about how, um, unfortunately, this was out of his control, out of the court's control. He's apologized to the accused and he's apologized to the entire court for the delays that have been experienced today. And so we, we just have to wait, Mandy. It's a, it's a wait of over a month that the accused will have to wait for uh, to see whether their trial actually does get underway in the Pretoria High Court. Uh, I did see some reports saying that some family members had made the journey to, to Pretoria uh, for this. Uh, there must be increasing frustration at the fact that this trial is just doesn't seem to be gathering momentum. 
That's exactly what uh, the sister Senzo Mayu and Omalanga Mayu uh, actually expressed. I mean, she looked very frustrated, but she also was very emotional today as she spoke to the media. She pointed out how no one bothered to tell them today that the matter would be postponed. I think it's really interesting that the, uh, the uh, Zandi Kumalo, that's uh, the, the witness currently giving testimony, didn't come to court today. So it seems she was briefed. And she was told um, sure. that, you know, the matter is not going to progress. And that's exactly what the family is pointing out and saying, no one's bothering to keep them in the loop. No one's telling them what to expect. And they're making that journey, that trip from KZN, every time this matter is scheduled to be heard. They're extremely frustrated. They're extremely hopeless at this point, saying, you know, at this point, it seems like they'll never get justice. I mean, we heard her say how some of the witnesses that have taken the stand, Mandy, continue to say that it's been so many years and they've forgotten what's happened. And she says, with all these delays, they're going to continue to forget and forget even Mm. more. And that means justice for their family really will just be a distant dream. Mm, The erosion of memory. Khamotso, thank you so much. Khamotso Mudise, EWN reporter in court today. If if that is true, that is infuriating. And I can imagine how frustrated the family is because if Zandina Kumalo was told beforehand she doesn't need to go to court because the judge is going to uh, not be present because he is ill, but the family made the journey from KZN, that's just unfair. It really is. It's a a violation of their rights and it's a courtesy, really. So um, the fact that this, this trial is still not really gathering momentum it's delaying and delaying. What are your thoughts on this? Is this how justice is meted out? We speak about this so often on the show about the wheels of justice, how, t- how slowly they turn. What are your thoughts on this? The midday report. The Joburg Speaker, Colleen Makobele, had a briefing today ahead of the budget speech tomorrow. Tomorrow, So there's going to be a budget speech in the city of Joburg. And this is crucial because if this budget doesn't get adopted, we could see a situation in Joburg where the city could be placed under administration. There has been a lot of criticism of the mayor, Cabello Guamanda, who delivered his state of the city address last week. Um, and the fact that he has made like zero media appearances since then and has also not kept his commitments on other appearances as well. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, listening to that briefing today. Alpha, good afternoon to you. What has the Joburg speaker, Colleen Makobele, been saying? Good afternoon, Mandy. Um, you speak about, you just spoke about uh, the mayor not, you know, attending media briefings and abandoning some of the briefings that he was supposed to appear at. Look, uh, the council speaker, Colleen Makubele, started the briefing today apologizing on behalf of the mayor. We do know that last week after his state of the city address, he did not speak to the media uh, because of an illness that he had and he had to leave council for, uh, for medical treatment. So the speaker did apologize today on his behalf. But what I was interested in today is that we are seeing reports or reading reports of, you know, financial irregularities that pick it up, which is uh, giving some issues to that entity of service delivery, it not being able to achieve its mandate. And the speaker did respond to that, saying that the city is aware that there are allegations of corruption within Picket Hub and the city is looking at addressing them and they are expected to make uh, 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 an announcement as to what are the interventions that will be undertaken in that very same uh, entity in order to address these financial irregularities. But tomorrow is the uh, 
the budget speech, speech which will be addressed by Finance MNC Data Morero. It will start around half past one, and it is expected to address some of the issues, such as you know the very same ticket up challenges. And he will be explaining in detail what exactly the city will be doing to address some of the issues experienced in the metro. Mandy, you would know that uh, the opposition parties last week argued that the mayor did not outline in detail what the city will be doing. The speaker did announced that the, the finance MNC will be doing that tomorrow. So we are expected to see what exactly will be said tomorrow in, to address some of the issues in the city of Johannesburg. But let's take a listen to what the speaker had to say. As legislature, we also like to echo the message of MMC Dada Murero, calling on all property owners and businesses to pay their monthly invoices in full and regularly. As the city, he emphasized that our suppliers of power and water expect us to pay them. And as a result, we have to collect from our residents. So what can we expect on Tuesday? As per the guidelines from National Treasury, we expect that the budget will reveal a government of local unity coalition that is fiscally responsible. We trust that it will reveal our understanding of our communities and their needs. So, Alpha, we have a situation here where Dada Morero is expected to now give us the meat, the more of the detail around the budget, which was lacking from the mayor's uh, State of the City address last week. And all of this feeds into that narrative that, in fact, the mayor is very much a, a puppet for the ANC, and really the ANC is running the show here. The fact that Cabello Guamanda has, has been effectively AWOL because he's been ill, is this the sense that that, that you're feeling there in, in the briefing today and, and as you follow the city of Joburg's uh, pr- the developments around the politics? Well, Mandy, I will tell you that last week uh, after the state of the city address when we interviewed some of the MMCs, they did accuse us as the media of setting a narrative that the mayor is unable to do his job when it comes to speaking to residents through the media. They did accuse us of not giving him a chance to uh, get in touch with some of the things that he has to do here in the city of Johannesburg. And to me, that just speaks to the fact that they've, all, they've been knowing all along that he still needs to prepare or he was not well equipped to, you know, lead the city. So you, you, could, you could now get the sense that uh, the mayor is not really in touch with what is happening in the city of Johannesburg. We do know that MMC of Finance, Tata Morero, has been called the real mayor of Johannesburg and tomorrow's state of the uh, the budget speech tomorrow is now being even referred as to the real state of the city address because he is the one who has been speaking to the media about what exactly mm. is going on in his department and in the city and telling us what is, what is being done. I mean, last week he did yeah. tell us that the city is in six, six, six billion rent debt uh, in unpaid invoices to suppliers and that's something that the mayor did not speak to during his state of the city address and how he plans to pay back that debt. Alpha, thank you very much. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, having a listen there to the Joburg speaker, Colleen Makubele. We are expecting Dada Morero to deliver that budget speech tomorrow. Do you think this is a, 
a media constructed narrative that Kabelo Guamanda doesn't really have a grasp of what's going on after listening to the State of the City address. Uh, and in fact, it is the ANC that is running the show from behind the scenes along with the, with the EFF. And Dada Moreiro, who once was the mayor of Joburg, in fact, will give us all of the detail in his budget speech tomorrow. Or do you think we're being unfair? The Midday Report. In and out of, of load shedding this past weekend, and every time it gets cold, you know what happens. We're always expecting load shedding to get much, much worse. Well, the Electricity Minister, Dr. Josien Ramachopa, is today meeting Mozambique's Mineral Resources and Energy Minister, Carlos Sacarias, at the Union Buildings today. Earlier, he was speaking to our colleague at Newsroom Africa, Zianda Ngobo. Have a listen to what the Electricity Minister had to say. Well, it's a it's new megawatts for lack of better words. So, so the 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 grid will get the benefit of an additional hundred megawatts. So that's for us what is important. I did say to the country that uh, in our effort to resolve the load shedding question, we're searching for each and every megawatt of, uh, available. Uh, and of course, the Mozambicans have come to the party. They are aiding us to address that. And then we'll continue to search for more. Of course, we're working on new generation capacity in the country. And then we are making significant strides. Thanks to the CEO of ESCOM and his uh, esteemed team, uh, the head of generation, uh, Mr. Bek Numalo, and the chair of uh, ESCOM, Mr. Makwal. They are doing exceptional work. And that's why you are seeing this gradual improvement uh, also in the middle of winter. It's significant, like I said, marginal but significant. Dr. Josien Choramakopa speaking to News from Africa but earlier today as he's meeting with his Mozambican counterpart uh, adding more capacity to the grid. He speaks there about an easing of uh, the load shedding uh, situation. Is that, uh, would you agree with that? Uh, we of course are still dealing with, with load shedding but whenever it gets cold we know it gets worse and at the same time a storm has made landfall in the Western Cape. It's cold in Joburg. We are expecting a cold front here as well. So let's get a sense of what the weather's going to be like over the next few days. Lulama Menze is the SA Weather Service forecaster speaking to us now. Lulama, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Let's start with uh, the Western Cape with the storm that has made landfall. What exactly is happening there? Good, good, good afternoon, Mandy, and good afternoon to your listeners. Yes, the cold front has made landfall, and ahead of it, we are experiencing a lot of rain. 80% chance of showers and thunder showers were expected in the Cape Metropole areas and that those extreme southwestern parts. And then the remainder, it was between 60 and 30% chance of showers and thunder showers. We have recorded significant amounts of rain in those areas, but right now there is a slight improvement from the west. But what is still happening it is that the temperatures are cold. Already in the Western Cape side, you have temperatures that are, that are cold. Cape Town is expecting a maximum of 16 degrees today. But then for the Gauteng side, it's not that bad. It was the minimums that were very low. But then the maximum for Pretoria are expecting 22 today. It, the temperatures are going to rise to 22. And then for Johannesburg, 21. For Ferienachang, 20. But there is mm. a possibility for some isolated showers and thunder showers for the Gauteng province this afternoon. And going forward for the rest of the week, Lulama, are we expecting it to get much colder in, in Gauteng? Yes, it is going to get to get much colder. That is 
Not, not, not really for Gauteng. Gauteng is still going to be more for tomorrow. We are still looking at temperatures in the cool category for the Pretoria side. We are looking at minimum of six and the maximum of eighteen degrees. Johannesburg minimum of three and the maximum of sixteen degrees. Then very cold over the Ferenheim side. Minimum of two and maximum of fourteen degrees. And is this the kind, the kind of the west now for the areas that are west of us? Oh, west of us. Okay. So, Lulame, is this uh, pretty pretty accurate for this time of year in terms of the kind of weather systems that we're seeing moving into the Western Cape and and this cold in Gauteng? Yes, that's the that's the winter weather. Remember, for for the Western Cape, we're expecting them to get rain this time of the year. Perfect. Lulama, thank you so much. Uh, Lulama Menze, weather forecaster, explaining to us what's going on with the weather in the Western Cape and Gauteng. The Midday Report. So I have heard many of my colleagues and many of you speaking about what your experience was of the tremor early on Sunday morning in Joburg. For me, it, I woke up. It, it, it totally woke me up um, and uh, I felt the shaking and I felt things falling over next to my bed and the hardy dars going and uh, you know all, all of that stuff happening. It was pretty terrifying. I immediately got onto social media and saw plenty of people experiencing the same thing. Uh, we have seen some damage uh, to buildings in the Boxburg area. Uh, so some people are looking for alternative accommodation. But let's try and understand what actually happened at 2.39, I think it was, 2.39 a.m. on Sunday morning with geologist Dr. Gideon Grunewald. Dr. Grunewald, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for your time. What do we know about this incident? And, and would you define it as a tremor, as a quake? What is the, the correct term here? Good afternoon, Mandy, and to the listeners. Yeah, the uh, It is formally defined as an earthquake now, and uh, the difference is purely in the size of the tremor. So uh, yeah, earth uh, tremors are normally uh, little kind of movements or shakes of the earth, where earthquakes is where you have proof of rocks physically moving. So in this case, uh, the, the rocks were moving at 10 kilometers underground, causing uh, the, the, the surface of the earth to then uh, react as if you put a rock in water. So the earth becomes s- sort of mobile. <laughs> it's like plastic moving. So things jump up and down and they also move uh, you know, so, so that's why people heard the quake coming. It got to their homes. It went on the other, out on the other side. It's like a big Boeing that comes down to actually, and it, it, this one would have been like a Boeing landing on the roof of your house. So it's, it was a serious earthquake. Many people described what they heard to be a, a rumble, that they, they heard it coming, as you say, before they actually felt it. What is the, the science around that? Well, uh, the, the, the best explanation is that the earth, it's an energy moving, so all the parts of the rocks, you know, move along, and that's why you can hear it coming, and then it passes you, so it's a wave of energy that really pushes the air also in front of it, so it's both the rocks and the air in movement, and that's why you feel the shock wave also passing you, so it's quite, a, it's quite an impressive, uh, if, you, if you're out, out in the open, it, it feels like somebody's are you blowing in your face or something? So do we know exactly what caused this, Doc? Because I know the epicenter was around the Alberton Boxburg area, but do we know if this was because of mining? What exactly would have caused an incident like this? 
Okay, first of all, the, the, the earth tremors in Joburg are very well known because of mining. One must remember that 72 uh, <laughs> cubic kilometers of rock have been removed underneath the city. So there are open spaces that needs to now fill as time goes by. And that causes tremors all over the place, uh, very, very well known. Now, the, the earthquakes, I think, this specific one, is related to the earthquakes that we had in, in Turkey, where the African plate needs to resettle after a major move up there. And because the African plate is breaking open, there's a, there's a big fault zone going along the Nile River, Mozambique, Botswana, Mahon, then through Joburg to East London. And that zone is sort of just settling itself after it was moved a few months ago in Turkey. So I think this is what we're looking at. It was a major earthquake, and it's not related, I think, to mining, because the epicenter is at 10 kilometers, and none of our mines were that deep. That's so interesting, because I think everyone assumes that it was mining-related in some way. I did see that this thing being shared on social media. I don't know how accurate it is. Uh, almost predicting that there were going to be a series of different earthquakes in various places, which then materialized. Is this something that we could have predicted? Well, you, you can't predict earthquakes. All you can predict is the zones along where they, they might, you know, all the zones along these, these zones that can be. Now, one must remember that after the Turkish or just before the Turkish earthquake, we had two serious earthquakes in KwaZulu-Natal along the Tugela fault zone and then one at Matatiel along another fault zone. So the African plate is in bits and pieces at the moment and they need to reshuffle. It's like you, you know, when you wash your plates in a basin, if you move one plate. All the others need to move because the earth consists of rocks. So, so one, once you move one, the others want to move as well. They get stuck and then nobody can predict exactly where, but with uh, the, the series of earthquakes that happened, you know, the, uh, our earthquake was related to uh, quite a major earthquake in Turkey, virtually minutes apart. So uh, I think that is that tells me that we are looking at the African plate reshuffling, but honestly, we mustn't <laughs> scare people out. These things are happening all the time, and, and, and it's, it's, uh, South Africa is not known for bigger earthquakes than these. We have one, we had one in 1969, uh, quite a serious one. And after that, these things are livable. Uh, but people, what, what really worries me is the people digging trenches at the moment in Joburg, people uh, doing excavation, and then most important, the Zamazamas that's mining yeah. two to three meters underground with the oversaturation of the, of the land now with a high rainfall. These people must really be warned that they, they, the tunnels can actually collapse on them. Uh, just very quickly, Doc, can we expect, expect more of these kinds of quakes will there be more tremors uh, aftershocks or anything like that yeah, there we can, definitely. Uh, the, the only thing what, what is uh, a little bit of a, of a sort of a, a, a well feeling is that normally the, the aftershocks uh, are much less than the main one. So I don't think we'll see one of these very quickly again. They're about 60, 50 to 60 years apart. So I, I think we, are, we, we should be quite safe for big ones, but the little ones, yes, I think we can expect it. Dr. Gideon Kronewald, geologist, thank you so much for explaining that. I love that explanation of how there's different plates in a sink, and if you wash one, then the others will move as well. Uh, I assumed that it was related to, to mining, and it was the kind of tremors that we normally see, but uh, some really fascinating insight uh, into that earthquake. It's an earthquake that we experienced. I think the Hardy Dolls uh, definitely felt it more than anyone else. That's what it sounded like, at least. The Midday Report.
this issue with Vladimir Putin and the BRICS summit is still rumbling on. Uh, lots of speculation about whether or not South Africa will abandon its role as the host of this year's BRICS summit. Could we see a situation, for example, where uh, China is uh, asked to host the summit or India is asked to host the summit so that Vladimir Putin does not have to be arrested? We know that the International Criminal Court wants him arrested on charges of war crimes. Uh, we have seen a, a flurry of diplomatic activity around Ukraine as well. Dr. Kingsley Makubela is the director at Risk Recon, conflict resolution expert. Dr. Makubela, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Good afternoon, Mandy. How do we see this playing out now? Because uh, President Ramaphosa has made it clear and Naledi Pandu has made it clear that we are going to be hosting the BRICS summit. But, uh, you know, what is your sense of what could be happening here? Well, we keep on getting conflicting messages, uh, at least in the media. One speculation is that there's a discussion with Xi Jinping to try to host this. The government hasn't come out emphatically to say we're not even considering moving um, the summit anyway. You know, like what happened during the World Cup, when there was speculation that the World Cup may go to Australia, we're quite emphatic in in terms of communication. This time around, we're not seeing that. And that's why it's fanning the speculation in the media, in the public discourse, But if the summit were to be removed or taken to any other country within the BRICS, it will create a serious big problem for the credibility of South Africa to be able to host major events. China and India, if they were to host the summit, they don't face the same obligation as South Africa uh, around arresting Vladimir Putin. Um, so that does seem like like one of the obvious options. But you, you speak about the credibility of South Africa in terms of hosting big events. What would it mean for us if we didn't host the BRICS summit? It would mean that we are not a credible uh, role player. And I think we'll become irrelevant in the BRICS. Because if you look at the queue of people who want to join the BRICS, it's so huge. And these are big economies, hard hitters who want to go there, who are willing to fulfill the obligations of the BRICS. But if we were not to do that, it would raise credibility issue. And remember this question of the ICE, it's an internal South African problem, more than the BRICS problem. So what then is the, the resolution here? How does Sir Ramaphosa manage this? Does he uninvite Vladimir Putin? Do we face the prospect of arresting him if he does arrive here? Uh, how does this resolve itself? Well, Medvedev has made it quite clear that any attempt to arrest Putin, and he made an example with Germany. He said if Germany was to arrest Putin, they would bomb Bundestag. That's how serious they are taking this. Essentially a declaration of war. Are we willing to declare war on, on Russia? I don't think we are able to do that. So we are in a dilemma. I think this decision, the government should have made a decision some time ago, whether to move it or really to get out of the Rome statute, because the Rome statute in my own view has become obsolete. It's, it's a hollow thing that is intended uh, to hold leaders accountable around the world, but it's not working as it was intended for. And therefore, I don't think why we're holding on to it. Mm. Dr. Kingsley Makubela, thank you so much A director at Risk Recon Conflict Resolution Expert Giving us uh, his analysis there On our Vladimir Putin dilemma The Midday Report
So today, the Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture, Zizi Kodwa, along with the SAFA president um, and uh, several other footballing um, personalities, are visiting the family of Clive Barker to pay their respects. Uh, and Zizi Kodwa has described Clive Barker as a South African national treasure whose contribution in sport remains unmatched. The former Bafana Bafana coach died at the age of 78 on Saturday, uh, and that was uh, because he had been diagnosed with the Louis body dementia earlier this year, his family confirming his death in a statement. There have been so many tributes coming in for Clive Barker over the past 48 hours or so. A great pleasure today to welcome former Bafana Bafana legend Dr. Kumalo uh, paying tribute to Clive Barker today. Uh, thank you so much. It's fabulous to, to have you on, on air and, and uh, it's been amazing to hear so many former footballers speaking about just how um, pivotal Clive Barker was in that 99 96 Africa Cup of Nations era. Uh, excuse me, good afternoon and good afternoon to the listeners. Um, yeah, it's so unbelievable and I uh, never thought, you know, today I'll be talking about the man that uh, the smiles in South African faces, all South Africans uh, that were supporting the game. But uh, I think Life forever is is in a good space. Mm. You know, it's so unfortunate. I wouldn't have loved to to say that because I thought he was going to recover. But uh, when I went to visit him, it pained me, you know, to see him the way he was. And uh, the movement was so slow. His speech was so slow. And now I ask myself, is this the coach that was coaching us in 1996 when we won it? You know, uh, yeah. the way he was walking, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And uh, I, I wish I could do something, you know, to mm. to help life, you know, succumb the, 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 the illness. Clive Barker but, uh, took, not, took yeah. sorry to interrupt you, Doc, but he took over Bafana Bafana at a time going into the, the AFCON in 1996 yeah. when um, yeah. the team was nicknamed 4 by 4s because of the, the number of four-goal thrashings yeah, uh, that, yeah, that you had yeah. received. Uh, and then he took yeah. you to, to the AFCON final. What was it about Clive Barker that made him such a successful coach? What made Clive to be a successful coach? He was a father feeder, a friend, a mentor. Clive managed to steal the hearts of all the players because when you get a, a call-up letter, you knew you were going home, you were going to be received very well by the father, by Clive as a father. And uh, he made things easier for each and every individual on the field because he made them believe in themselves and he made them aware that they are South Africans and they shouldn't lose that dignity or the way we used to play. And Clive we instilled discipline by saying, guys, we have to go out there and do it for the nation. And he's one coach that whenever you have a problem or when you arrive in the camp, he, will, he wouldn't even probably only greet you, but he will ask you, how is your family? How is your mother? Say happy birthday to your father. That on its own, it shows love. Yeah. That's, how love, that's how we appreciate love. If I were to tell you, any member of that squad will take a bullet for time. Sure.
I, I saw you being quoted, uh, Doc, as, as saying that what went wrong for Bafana Bafana post-1996 was that Clive Barker was discarded. Is that something you still yes. believe? Yes, I, I still believe. It, it never went well for us after 96 because there were people that were not happy what life did for the country and they wanted him out of the, the position. But now who's suffering today? It's the whole nation today. We haven't won it. It's almost 23, I don't know, whatever years, 20-something years. Had they continued with life, because football is just not, it's, it's, it's a sport that you don't just take over. You need to be handed over in terms of continuity. There must be continuity. If you don't have that, the players that we're going to take over wouldn't understand mm. what does it mean or what does it take for you to be a national team player. So we didn't have that. Dr. Kamalo? The truth needs to be told that Clive mm. was a successful coach and the way he was booted out of his position, it caused the nation to be where it is today. Dr. Kamala, thank you so much. Uh, unfortunately, we have to leave it there. Former legend, icon of uh, South African football, paying tribute to another legend of South African uh, football, Clive Barker, who passed away at the weekend. And our condolences to uh, those who, who loved him, uh, many footballers, but his family too. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.